This morning's scripture comes from Matthew, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I'll be reading from the Common English Bible. You can find this passage on pages 792 and 793 in the Pew Bible. Hear the word of God. At that time, Jesus went through the wheat fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they were picking heads of wheat and eating them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are breaking the Sabbath law. But he said to them, Haven't you read what David did when he and those with him were hungry? He went into God's house and broke the law by eating the bread of the presence, which only the priests were allowed to eat. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple treat the Sabbath as any other day and are still innocent? But I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I want mercy and not sacrifice, you wouldn't have condemned the innocent. The human one is Lord of the Sabbath. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. My name is Justin LaRosa. For those of you who don't know me, I serve as the minister of the downtown campus called the Portico and am often over in 11 Magnolia at this time. And it is my honor and privilege to be with you here today. Let's uh, just start out with a word of prayer. God, open our eyes so that we might see. Open our ears so we might hear. Open our hearts so that we might be open. Bridle our tongues so our minds can be open to your spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Let's start with a quote. If the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear as it is, infinite. For man has closed himself up till he sees all things through the narrow chinks of his cavern. That's William Blake. Sorry for the sexist language. But what he's trying to say there is we look through a narrow cavern. And so hopefully that will come into play a little bit later. Sixteen years ago, I was at the University of South Florida studying social work, and I took a course that had an absolute profound impact on me. Specifically, it transformed the way that I engaged with others whom I didn't agree with, who I disagreed with. It was a group project in particular which we had to try to convince our classmates to take a certain position on a hot-button issue of the day. Um, it was things like abortion and capital punishment and genetic cloning or 
all the things that consume some of the airwaves at different times. So what happened was the, the, the class was sectioned out into small groups, small groups of people, a pro and a con group for each issue. And then the group had to go and research. Not only did they just do regular research, not Google, we didn't have that then, uh, regular research, but we had to talk to people who shared whatever that view was. And then at the end of the class, what we would do is we had to present this compelling picture of why the class needed to agree with our point of view. Sounds like a reasonable exercise, right? But here was the rub. You had to take the opposing viewpoint from what you actually held. You had to take the opposing viewpoint. So what the exercise forced the class and therefore me to do was to engage with others who didn't share the same maybe convictions or values that I had about the issue. Uh, And I experienced growth. Not because I changed my viewpoint necessarily, because I actually didn't on the issue that I was responsible for, but I did grow. And here's why. I learned that dialogue is much different from debate. Are we going to have a debate this weekend sometime? That's going to be lovely. So, but, but here's, here's how it's different. Dialogue is different from debate. Because in debate, I'm starting to form my opinion and my retort while you're still talking. I'm, I'm not listening to you. I'm getting ready to, to shoot you with my point of view. Whereas dialogue... You're actually listening to what the other person is saying. So that's the first thing I learned. The second thing I learned is that when dialoguing about these difficult issues, I had, and we have the opportunity, to take a posture of curiosity and non-offense. A posture of curiosity and non-offense. Because that's kind of hard. It takes discipline to not be offended, doesn't it? If I start talking to you about X, Y, and Z issue, I bet you I could offend you all very quickly. (laughs) No matter which side I take. If I do that, you can talk to me afterwards. Or tell McGray. He's not here this this week. (laughs) So, but it takes discipline To try not to be offended. It takes discipline to actually adopt curiosity as a posture, doesn't it? The other thing I learned is that when you hear somebody's point of view that differs from you, it is always shaped by the cavern from which they came. Their experiences, their background, their education. And what I had to realize at this place was... I was shaped by my ethnic background, by my education, by my privilege. That's the view from my point. And that's what a viewpoint is, right? A view from a point. And the last thing I learned, which was perhaps the most annoying, was you can find truth in the extremes. You can find truth. In the extremes. So. 
It might be an understatement to say, brothers and sisters, that we are living in a time where there is much disagreement. Is there not? Scroll through media feeds, papers, news networks, and it's no secret that people disagree on important things, very important things. And I bet, and I told you I wouldn't offend you, so I won't do it. I bet if I started asking some of you about the important issues of the day, capital punishment, who should be president, all of those things, abortion, human sexuality, war, peace, poverty, how we should deal with terrorism and and, and the radical Islam, that small strain that is causing so much havoc in our word, I bet we would have a diverse range of opinion here today. But you see, these are real issues that we must engage in our community. And I'm going to tell you, we must engage it in the church. We have to. We must. Jesus, brothers and sisters, was political. When when somebody says to me, Jesus, don't don't talk about politics in here. I'm going to tell you, we cannot be partisan, but we can be political because Jesus was. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. Don't worry. Not that you'd listen anyway. As followers of Jesus, as people trying to follow in the way of Jesus Christ, we're called to engage differently than the world engages we got to shed this tendency to be black or white, to rise above this vitriol that pervades our national discourse. We must debate, but we must dialogue. We must have an open mind as we engage with people who disagree with us and us with them. So the question is, how can we become open-minded while simultaneously holding on to core beliefs And convictions that we hold. That's why we're doing this series. Core values. Because these core values, brothers and sisters, are what make us unique. Not better than other congregations. What makes us unique. It's how we do life together. Now, McGray said he's going to quiz you all. And he's not here. So I'm going to see if you know. Someone aptly pointed out, if you just open your bulletin, they're all right there. But without looking, we are what? Christ-centered. We are what? Biblically rooted. Warm-hearted. Open-minded. Mission. And connectionally committed. That's how we do life together. And today we're looking at open-minded. And that does not mean that we're tossed around by every new idea or doctrine. or, or it, it just means that we hold on to what's essential while we engage the array of different opinions on issues that are important but not in the center. So again, our essentials are Christ-centered and biblically rooted. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection in the Bible are what are at the center for us in our life together. But as we journey out from that center, what we try to do when we engage these hard issues is we try to the best of our ability to put on the lens of Jesus. 
Jesus' life, his death and resurrection and try to use the Bible as our guide. Just a couple of weeks ago when we preached on Warm Hearted, McGray was in here and I was over in Magnolia. We wanted to suggest that we were called like Jesus and we were called like the good Samaritan to do what? Draw near. To draw near to people who are different than us. To draw near to need. And what's that going to do? At times, it's going to throw us into disagreement in different points of view. But here's the thing. Jesus told us that they would know us by our love. And everybody, every human being, just about, I would say, starts with this notion of wanting to love. And the people around us in our circles are easiest to love. So if we just love everybody in our circle, nobody's going to know the love of Jesus, are they? Because everybody loves the people around them. And that's not bad. We're called to love other. And when we are in relationship with other, then comes those different points of view. John Wesley, our founder, said it this way. People with different political and ideological positions could think and let think. Practically, what that means for us as a congregation is that we can create space that's safe for dialogue. And at different times, say, you know what? We're just going to have to agree to disagree on this issue. We're just going to have to agree to disagree because it's not at what's at the center of our life and our mission together, which is to make disciples of Jesus who make God's love real. All those issues are important. They're just not at the center. So you're probably wondering, when is he going to talk about the scripture? Now. (laughs) If we turn to the scripture reading of the morning and look at the way that Jesus kind of engaged some of this, uh, some of these issues... And, you know, if there were any two groups of people that didn't agree, who had opposite ideological uh, perspectives, it was Jesus and the Pharisees. I mean, all throughout the Gospels, Jesus was at odds with this group. And guess who this group was? The religious people. Right? That's, That's who he was at odds with. But first, we have to remember, they actually shared some things in common. They shared some things in common. First, they both affirmed that God was at the center of their life. And they both placed an importance in being in relationship with God. They shared that. Second, they both agreed that boundaries and rules were important, were good to have. I mean, the Hebrew scriptures were absolutely foundational for both of them. And earlier in Matthew, it was recorded that Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish all of this, the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill it. So they both believe that God's kingdom is needed to come. It needs to come here now. But what was the rub? The rub was how? How was God's kingdom to come? 
And so for the Pharisees, that kingdom was to come because of what? The law. The law would bring the change that they wished to see. The Pharisees believed that if the Hebrew people would just strictly adhere to the law, Rome would finally be out of their hair and Israel would rise again. So when Jesus and his disciples were breaking the law in the scripture reading today because they were plucking grain for themselves to eat, Pharisees were understandably irritated. And the Pharisees didn't really have a problem what they were doing. They actually had a problem when they were doing it. In uh, Deuteronomy 23, which is in the front part of the Bible in the Torah, it says, if, your neighbor, if you go into your neighbor's grain field, you can pluck ears by hand, but you aren't allowed to cut it off any of your neighbor's grain with a sickle. You see, the law allowed for hungry travelers to pick. They weren't stealing. That wasn't the problem. The problem was they were doing it on the Sabbath. And as you all know, the Sabbath was important for the Hebrew people. It was in a couple places in the Torah. And you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. And then what happened? They started asking, well, what does work mean? What does that actually mean? And then what did they do? They started to interpret what that meant. And they actually came up with the scholars and the lawyers and all that with 39 different actions that were prohibited to do on the Sabbath. And could you imagine what they were? Reaping, separating the the grain, rubbing your hands together and prepping a meal. That's what the disciples were doing. Jesus responds, if you'd notice, to the rebuke with how he thinks God's kingdom will come. And he knows the Hebrew Bible well. First, he points to Samuel. First Samuel, when David was on the run. David was on the run. He was anointed, not yet enthroned. He went to the tabernacle because the temple hadn't been built yet. And he asked for the bread. The bread that was in the tabernacle that no one except the priests were allowed to eat. What Jesus was trying to illustrate there is human need took precedence over the ritual custom. Human need took precedence over the ritual custom. Secondly, he pointed out the reality that the priests actually do work on the Sabbath. And he noted that the needs of the temple outweigh the needs of the Sabbath. And he was saying, my work is more important than the work of the temple, which was, which were fighting words, very much fighting words. And lastly, Jesus notes that compassion is what is behind the Sabbath. So compassion trumps mercy. He points back to Hosea six and you see, He's saying the greatest ritual service is to the service of human need. The greatest ritual service is to the service of human need. So again, the Pharisees thought the law would bring about God's kingdom. And Jesus believed that it would be love that would usher in God's kingdom. So when the law got in the way of that love and need, then it was the law that was wrong. Love over law, people over policy. 
Let me say that one more time for you. When you're engaging with people on different issues, love over law, people over policy. A couple of weeks ago, I had lunch with a member of the church. And it was a really excellent time to connect with this person. Got to hear about their life. And eventually we got to that well-discussed and well-known debated topic that the United Methodist Church has been wrestling with for some time. And as we shared our views, we discovered that they weren't the same. But what was so cool about that conversation was it was a true dialogue and not a debate. We listened to each other in the way that we each came to our view from our point. And we illustrated this attitude of curiosity in being non-offended. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. But what we discovered as we were talking about this issue, both personally and then globally, is we discovered that people's lives and experiences really shape their cavern, shape their point of view. And we got to hear how this person's passionate point of view was shaped through this person's experience. And we were able to affirm some important things around this issue on which we agree. We were able to actually talk about staying in relationship with one another. And I think that that's one of the things about this open-minded value of ours. Is that we're called to stay in relationship with one another. We're, We're called to move from our center to the edges of those issues and engage, but to remember what we share in common, keeping the essentials, the essentials, and allowing in the non-essentials liberty. And ultimately, I think, in part, that's what it means to put love over law, to put people over position, to put mercy over rules, to be and live and practice being open-minded. To hold the center, remembering that our life together is about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so may we employ love as we participate in God's redemption of the world here and now as we wait for later. Let's pray together. God, we give thanks for the body of Christ, the people in the church, and our role in participating in your love being made real here and now. And sometimes it's really difficult and emotionally charged to engage in issues on which we disagree. Inspire us to hold our convictions, but to adopt an attitude of curiosity of being not 
offended of holding people over position. And we ask all these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.